listening to That's Pretty Dark. The podcast where we talk about all of the entertainment that scared us as children and still haunts us as adults. So grab your flashlight and join us as we take a frightfully nostalgic look over our shoulders and under our beds and in our closets. And together we'll realize, whoa, that's pretty that's dark. Pretty dark. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> that was are. such an interesting sound you just made. You like that um, sound? Yeah. I'd do it again, but I don't feel like it. I don't know if you could if you tried. Um, no, probably not. Welcome welcome back. Welcome uh, back to That's Pretty I'm Dark, Kaylin, guys. and that was Christian making whatever mm-hmm. guttural noise that you heard. That's me. I'm Christian. That's my name. We are here for part three. We are still here for <laughs> part three. Of the Goonies. This is the conclusion to our marathon recording of the Goonies. That's right. This is part three. Thanks for sticking with us. We hope you've been just... Enthralled, captivated, inspired. Man. We're losing it a little bit. Hope you've been waiting for this and super excited. Yes. We we are glad to be back here mm-hmm. in your ears once again and mm. look forward to concluding a series that has been a lot of fun, I would say. I want everybody just to take a moment and stretch it out. Oh, just this just, is more for us than mm, for them, but I'll do it. Stand up and just stretch, mm. or sit down and stretch, or lay oh down. Oh my god! And I wish I hope that the microphone just captured that neck crack that I just mm, got. I hope so. That was intense. I hope so. And wow. Yeah. Do do your breath work. Just mm. in through the nose, out through the mouth. We yeah. are going to finish this movie tonight. This is the night where you like. This is your third time sitting down with it, and you're like, okay, I'm finishing this damn mm-hmm. movie. Tonight, yeah. nothing's yeah. going to distract me. You've been distracted me. a couple times. You've had to get up and do other things. Go unplug all your technology. Mm-hmm. Turn off your phone. Unplug your refrigerator. It's no longer running. You don't have to catch it anymore. Oh, geez. We are here for this. Tonight's the night. It's going to be fun. It's going to get wet and wild in this one. Get it, ready. Yeah, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. If you haven't listened to the last two episodes on the Goonies, you might want to go back and do that now. Now that they're all together, they're all here for you in <laughs> one convenient trilogy. Um, make sure you do that oh, because yeah. you're going to enjoy this a lot more if you do. Just saying. Yeah. You see how there's a part three on the title of this episode? <laughs> yeah. That should tell you everything oh, you need to know, you dumbass. I mean, if you, just, if you want to listen to this part of the movie, if this is like your favorite part or whatever, then that's fine, I guess. But I think you'll get more out of it if I you mean, listen to the other. It's fine, others. but it's weird. <laughs> you do you, but you know, it's weird. Just don't be weird about it. So last time where we left off was we uh, got only so far as the <laughs> Lighthouse Lounge. All of our Goonies are together, <laughs> our Goonies and our girls. They've met the Fratellis. Everybody knows everybody exists. We have begun the adventure. Well, almost. It's about to really kick off. It's time for the adventure. Now that the Fratellis have left, they're going to go back in. Mikey's going to go find what he went there to find. He's going to do this. He's determined, and no one's going to stop him, Um, especially not Brand, who's distracted by the, you know, pretty girls. Right. Um, And what what they did was they went, you know, to the lowest point of the structure, which is down in the basement, down in these dark tunnels, and they went into this adjacent room that seems like a dead end. Or is it? It's not what it seems. Mm. Nothing is really ever as it seems. Especially not in a movie like The Goonies. No. Nope. So in all this chaos underneath this restaurant, Mm -hmm. Chunk, forever the klutz, knocks over this water cooler. 
And Mikey hears the sound of the water trickling under mm-hmm. the floor somewhere. It's going somewhere. Yes. That's when they sneak down underneath into the really the true underground tunnels, which is where everything really unfolds. There's this moment where they find this underground escape and Chunk finds the freezer full of ice cream. Oh, yeah. And this scene always gave me so much anxiety. I mean, he opens this freezer. He's looking through all this ice cream. And there's a stiff, mm-hmm. a dead body. It's apparently like an FBI agent or something. Yeah. I'm claustrophobic at the best of times, but like putting myself in his shoes, because he gets shut in this freezer. Yeah, that's hard to deal with. But this dead body, it keeps falling on him. I don't like that it keeps falling Man. on him. I had trouble with that too. I was like, I, he props it up oh, and no. it falls again. God. And it's meant to be funny. <laughs> but if you really get into the context of that and you put yourself in his shoes that's terrifying i know pretty dark you might say that part that scene always really bothered me as a kid yeah. i mean i remember watching it being like covering myself like mm. with my my blanket like oh my god like it's happening i also <laughs> about chunk i also feel like almost everything chunk says is like something that he heard his mom say to somebody one time <laughs> like he is like a 50-year-old woman. He's wearing Hawaiian shirts. Exactly. For sake. Like he's like he's a middle-aged man. Yeah. Totally. He yeah, it's it it's so funny because it's like it's just him regurgitating like stuff that he's heard his mom say, whether or not he understands it. It seems most of the time like he does. Yeah. He seems like a very smart kid, but it's just like the I don't know, the phrasing of it. He's very precocious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like yeah. I know I've said things that my parents have said before and thought it was totally natural and normal. And looking back, I'm like, man. That's the kind of stuff that like keeps you up late at night when trying to trying to fall asleep. You're like, <laughs> I can't believe I said that. <laughs> I said that one thing one time in third grade. Man, that was lame. Thankfully, I don't remember a lot of those things. I wipe them from That's my good. I mean, I remember the recent ones, but not from childhood. I don't know what I said as a child. <laughs> yeah. If I've ever said something weird to you as a kid, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> one time I said, read my lips. <laughs> Looking back, I just cringe i just can't sleep i mean people said that at the time i said it thinking it was a cool thing to say it's not cool (laughs) isn't it it's never cool to say (laughs) so most of the goonies go down underneath this fireplace underneath this hearth into these underground tunnels and chunk escapes out through this you know basement window where eventually he's <laughs> he thinks he's stopping a car to ask for help and it's the fratellis and of course they throw him in the in the trunk with the stiff once again it's this return of the joke mm-hmm. and the goonies underground get pretty far pretty fast immediately they're like underneath the country club with all the water pipes which is the big scene where they're yes. shaking all the pipes trying to get someone's attention and it's this whole running gag of them just destroying the Everything. the piping of this country yeah. club. And you see Troy again one more time. The toilet explodes underneath That's him right. and you see him. Daddy. Daddy. Yeah, he's just there to make fun of, yeah. really. So now that the, this is one of the most famous scenes. Now that the Fratellis have Chunk, yeah. they want him to talk. They're threatening to, you know, blend up his, his plump fingers mm. and plump hands in this blender and they use a tomato as an example and it's just the grossest thing to look at when you think of it in context of his little plump Mm. his fat little hands francis says hey kid spill your guts tell us everything and so chunk does exactly as he was told and he tells them in the third grade he cheated on his history exam (laughs) in the fourth grade he stole his uncle max's toupee included on his face when he played moses in his hebrew school play (laughs) 
in the fifth grade. He knocked his sister, Edith, down the stairs and blamed it on the dog. (laughs) One time, his mom sent him to a summer camp for fat kids. And then once during lunch, he got nuts and pigged out and they kicked him out. (laughs) But the worst thing he's ever done is he... (laughs) Can't even get through it. The worst thing he's ever done is he mixed up all this fake puke at home. (laughs) And then he went to this movie theater, hid the puke in his jacket, climbed up to the balcony... And then he made a noise like this. And then he dumped it over the side on all the people in the audience. Then, and this was horrible, all the people started getting sick and throwing up all over each other. Uh. He never felt so bad as in his entire life. Yeah. And that is just one of the greatest monologues of all yeah. time. It is. And, um, because, yeah, you have to keep in mind, he's saying this all in rapid fire succession as if, you know, it's confessed to every sin that you've ever sinned. Like Everything. I'm and he's crying through it. Oh, he's sobbing. Oh, my God. I don't know how he did it, honestly. Well, he, they said that his tears, the inspiration for his tears was he was thinking about his mom dying oh, the whole time. No. Just so sad. I know. Horrible. But the um, story about the puke in the movie theater was based on a true story involving Steven Spielberg and his adolescence. Oh my gosh. He did that? Apparently he did something similar. Yes. And just told him to add that I to mean, the script. I mean, that's horrific. It is. It it's really that is bad. A cold open from The Office where Pam pukes because she's pregnant and then everybody and everyone else pukes. pukes. I know. I, it is God. so hard for me to watch. I am a sympathetic puker, like for sure. Me too. No, if you puke Ooh. in front of me, I'm going to be done for. Same. I have to leave the room. Same. Meanwhile, as the reality of their situation is beginning to settle in, the Goonies come across um, Chester Copperpot's skeleton, which just furthers the whole idea of the whole adventure, the whole mystery. He's crushed by a boulder. They check his wallet. They confirm it's Copperpot. Yeah, his wallet's just there. Super convenient. Yeah, it, it definitely didn't decay at all. It stayed the test of time. No, no, no. You can read everything. There's even a Lou Gehrig. Uh, baseball card in his wallet. Yeah. But he's there because they need to get his skeleton key and his sticks of dynamite. Mm -hmm. In this moment, at the same time, Mikey triggers a booby trap, which makes more boulders fall from the ceiling. Yes. So they have to run from these falling boulders. It's very Indiana Jones. I know. Yeah, totally. They get up on this ledge and they escape and they're all safe. And then, you know, Brand moves a rock and there's the explosion of bats made of black crepe paper <laughs> that are launched out of this like cannon, like an air cannon or nice. something. I like that. It's very cool. And one of the funniest things about this moment is when the bats later burst through the uh, the grate up into the basement and it surrounds the Fratellis. Yes. Jake tells Ma to watch her veins. To watch her veins. Watch your veins, Ma. Because... Because they're bite they're her? bat they're vampire bats yeah right yeah you get the joke you I don't get, get the it? joke now it was really funny I thought it was really funny because it was just a throwaway line watch your line. veins yeah watch your veins yeah, it is funny because it's amidst all the yelling the blood it's all, and all the, the chaos vampire bats yes watch your veins yeah you you know about getting your blood sucked I certainly do mm-hmm. got to protect your veins kids listen to the fratellis watch in your veins one instance so there's a lot of talk of booby traps I love booby traps booby originally meant a stupid person. Sure. Naive, yes. gullible, etc. Mm-hmm. The term booby trap came about in the 16th or 17th century when sailors would set traps for seabirds that they called a booby because the bird was docile and easy to trick. Wow. You'd set a trap and the booby would essentially trap itself. 
Right. Right. So the idea behind a booby trap is this. You, you stumble upon it and you are yeah. trapping yourself. Right. You, you trigger you it trigger yourself. The, yeah. yeah. It's caused by your own action. Right. I like that. I like knowing where that came yeah, from. Yeah, pretty cool. I mean, I, I always assumed it was just like like the dumb, like you're, you're dumb and so you fall into it. But I mean, honestly, the booby traps that are depicted in most of cinema are very like intricate. intricate. and very- Yeah subtle like he basically he catches this trip wire that was hidden in the in the dirt like you'd it's never always see a trip wire always a trip wire and i mean i'm gonna trip all over <laughs> any wire <laughs> anything i will trip you can count on it <laughs> if you got wires i used to think i was like i could stand up right i can't it's that was <laughs> not true nope as yeah, an adult no. my adhd is out in full force and i will trip mm -hmm. i would trigger every single one of these traps i would be dead so now the Goonies move into this really, really mystical, magical waterfall sequence. Because mm. they're at the bottom of a wishing well. I mean, yes. what a concept. I know. I, I love that. I loved it so much. And it always held so much whimsy for I love me. wishing wells. Holy cow. Oh, I know. I love wishing wells. This scene is really, I don't know if paramount is the right word, but it's really like... It's right halfway of the movie. It's sort of the whole point of the movie from the the spirit of the Goonies, the spirit of this movie. Mm -hmm. It's all thrown into this one scene. Totally true. It's where everything turns on its head. They have the chance to escape. They have the chance to call it quits. And Mikey convinces them to, you know, persevere and keep going. He really, Stay yeah. the course, right? It's his whole heart into one of the, it's like a battle cry speech. Exactly. It's a battle cry speech. So the symbolism here is just so freaking magical. They find a bunch of coins at the bottom of this wishing well, and they think it's the treasure, right? At first. They're like, oh, we, we found it. Here it is. Mm -hmm. And they realize these are just people's wishes. Mm -hmm. These are people's dreams. And it immediately triggers that nostalgic feeling of innocence lost. And it's heartbreaking, mm -hmm. but it's beautiful at the same time. It's everything that is nostalgia. It is. Isn't it Steph? She says, like, they start to try to take the money, and she's like, you can't take that. That's somebody's wish. Yeah, you can't take these. Mm. And of course, you know, Mouth is like, well, this one's mine. This is mine. Yeah, my wish. He's defying it. it yeah, that's rubber meets the road. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've grown up. I've grown beyond this kind of thing. This is kind of where they all grow up. You're right. Mm -hmm. they, it's a growing up moment. But at the same time, it's a moment where they're holding on to this purity of youth. It's interesting, too, because I think it's done. I don't know if it's all totally intentional, but for the audience, like you have this shot, you have this moment where you see all of the coins, you know, glistening, glittering. And you have this moment where you think, oh, that's it. That's the treasure. Like you, you yourself watching it think that way. And so the kids do the same thing. But do you think that that like shattering of the illusion is meant to represent this? Yeah. Because that's, that's when it all happens. I totally. They all decide, okay. Totally think so. Yeah. And, and it happens in your heart too as you're watching and you have to you have to sit there and have that realization of that's not treasure that's just change that's loose change <laughs> yeah but then if you think even further go one more step and you think this is the real treasure of this time right these people's wishes and dreams this is the treasure Ooh. it's just the wrong kind of treasure. Not the treasure that we were looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Not the treasure we need, yeah. but the treasure uh -huh. we deserve. There you go. Man. <laughs> but seriously, no, like you're, you're right. Everything you're saying is on, is on track. I cannot really put this scene into 
the correct words, or at least not the words in the correct order. I cannot describe <laughs> this scene in the way that it means to it me. Means I will lot. never be able to. It means a lot. It means so much, and there are so many layers here. Exactly. It hurts. It's it so interesting because I feel like each of the kids are at a different point in that growing up experience. You know, they they emphasize that. You know, they kind of compare and contrast the teenagers versus the almost teenagers and newly teenagers you know like they mm -hmm. they're all at a different point in their adolescence they're all experiencing different things but this kind of hits them at the same time yeah and that was interesting to me too they were all coming at this little moment in time they all had their own reasons for being there they were all coming at it from different angles mm -hmm. and this is the scene that gives them all one right mind. it brings them together this is the unifying thanks to mikey the leader of the goonies mm -hmm. so now when they leave this location they all have the same purpose they're all mm -hmm. there for the same reasons it's really beautiful how it all comes together good stuff that's the growing up moment that's the maturity and it's ironic because they're choosing to hold on to their youth at the same time. I was going to say that, which I think is me and you. I mean, that's... Exactly. It's exactly the moment that you're choosing to grow up, you're, cho the, you, you're accepting this maturity, you're accepting this responsibility, and they all choose to just like hold back for just a little longer or as just long as they can. Just a little longer. As long as it as long as it takes, and that's that's exactly it because th that's the ticket to everything. That's the Peter Pan of it all. You mm. you want Ooh. it so badly to grow up and to experience these things until you can, until you do, until you have those moments and those experiences. And as soon as you have that experience, you wish you could go back. I know. And that happens to every adult. Mm -hmm. We all wish we could be kids again. Yeah, and that that's it. And they have the opportunity to do exactly that, which I think is another part of like the nostalgia and the, the novelty of this movie is that they are faced with that moment of choice and they get to choose let's wait a little while absolutely let's wait a little while that's what we're doing right now we are so now that we're halfway through the movie we hear for the first time and maybe the only time one of the most famous quotes from this movie goonies never say die goonies never say die goonies never say die i was surprised watching it again now that they don't say it like four dozen times. Because I remember this line so well. Mm -hmm. And it's on my shirt right now. And you read it mm -hmm. everywhere. <laughs> I think they only say it the once. Man. And I'm like, how I, is I, this? I was surprised by that too. Yeah. I think. It's amazing. And I, I've looked it up before, but I wanted to, to mention it here. Never say die is an idiom. And what it means is encouragement to continue something or remain hopeful in the face of obstacle or hardship. Mm -hmm. So it's a common saying. And they were just like, no, Goonies never say die. They made it literal almost. But it still works within the context of the moment mm -hmm. and for like a Goonies slogan. And I just think it's super cool. So they don't go up Troy's bucket. Troy's bucket. <laughs> Troy and his friends are up there making a wish, talking about Andy being real misogynistic assholes. They are. And they're going to rescue them. This is how they're going to make their escape. Mm -hmm. But the Goonies all decide not to do it. There are two next storyboard concepts here that did not make it to production. The first moment is the water of the wishing well was supposedly full of leeches. Oh, no. I don't really know how it was supposed to play out, but Data was supposed to have a car battery tucked in all of his no, um, his mm. gadgets and such. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's supposed to shock the water and kill all the leeches. But Shocking the water could also kill all the children. <laughs> yeah, it didn't really work. Um, the other is when Andy reminds Mikey that she's not a goonie um, and he's convinced her to stay regardless. 
she becomes a Goonie by taking the Goonie Oath. Okay. The Goonie Oath is, I will never betray my Goondock friends. We will stick together until the whole world ends. Love that. Through heaven and hell and nuclear war, Mm. good pals like us will stick like tar. Mm. In the city, in the country, or the forest, or the boonies, I am proudly declared a fellow Goonie. (laughs) Do you know how I wanted that to end? How? I will proudly declare I'm one of the Goonies. That would be more the right syllables. That would have made way more sense. I rewrite things like this all the time in my head because I want them to be better. It did feel off in moments. War and tar don't really. Mm -mm. Whatever. (laughs) But There was an oath at one point. Yeah. Why do you think they didn't go for it? Just the pacing, probably. Probably just pacing and time and the and the idea that, you know, Goonies was based off of where they lived, Goondocks, mm-hmm. and she doesn't live in the Goondocks. So, so I don't make sense. I don't think you can you can be an honorary Goonie. Right. But I don't think we're all honorary Goonies, but yeah, we're I not. think to be honest, the halfway point with the wishing well takes up a lot of time. They they stay there for they a do. while. They do. So I think it just slowed the pacing down way too much. Too much. I would that's true. There's another next story con- storyboard concept that they cut from the kissing scene mm-hmm. a few minutes later. That I think they were just like, all this has to go. Just keep what's necessary. I get it. I mean, even the kissing scene lasts a long time. It does. It does. And it, this is still a two-hour movie. So Right. So while they're down there, the Fratellis are tying Chunk up in the basement of the uh, Lighthouse Lounge mm-hmm. nearby uh, Sloth. <laughs> and this is the beginning of... A, a beautiful, beautiful friendship. friendship. <laughs> I know. It's really great. <laughs> um, Francis is, is tying Chunk up nearby. Sloth is watching an old black and white film on the TV. This is the Seahawk film from 1940 hmm. starring Errol Flynn, which I watched as part of my research for this. Nice. Really fun. Really fun movie. Really has nothing to do with the plot of this movie. I thought there might be a an underlying connection. Yeah, I was going to um, ask why you think that they had Sloth watching that specifically. Other than... Just something that they liked. Yeah, well, other than it inspiring Sloth in his, you know, later... Rebellion. Pirate rebellion moment where he takes over the pirate ship. Mostly just things to do with the pirate ship later that I will discuss when we get there. But um, <laughs> it was cool, though. Yeah, good to it's know. It's cool to watch. So this is the scene Chunk introduces the baby Ruth to sloth. Mm. I have to mention it because a lot of people's favorite quote from this movie is Originally, it was supposed to be an almond joy. Not the same ring. No, wouldn't have worked. Had to be a baby Ruth. Once they become friends, you know, because Chunk helps him, he helps Sloth get the food he helps him eat and Sloth hugs him. A really funny line, Chunk says, "You smell like fizz ed," which is like Physical education. Oh. You smell like a locker room. That's funny. Yeah, I thought it was really funny. I thought he said fish head, and I was like, How do you, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this was around the time I turned on the subtitles, because I'm an old woman, apparently. I can't hear. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have caught it either. Once the Fratellis leave, and Chunk and Sloth escape, because Sloth breaks his chains, and they get out, and now they're best friends, and they begin this journey through the tunnels to go find the Goonies, Chunk takes a moment to phone the sheriff, and he he makes a, a Gremlins reference. Did you catch it? Maybe. I don't think I wrote it down. The sheriff begins this like, oh, are you making up stories again? Oh. 
And he kind of like lists off a few things. Yes, that he's called in about. And he says, all those little creatures that multiply when you throw water on them. That's right. Yep. 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 I, I think that's one of a couple, but that's the one I caught. So now, because Chunk has confessed everything to the Fratellis, they know what's happening. They take the doubloon from Chunk. They go underground. They're now chasing the Goonies. So it's like, we have the Goonies chasing Copper Pot and One-Eyed Willie. Mm-hmm. And now it's very Scooby-Doo. It is. Oh, totally. We have these guys, these guys doing this one thing. And then we have the Fratellis chasing the Goonies mm-hmm. who are chasing Copper Pot and One-Eyed Willie. And mm-hmm. now we have Sloth and Chunk chasing the Fratellis who are yeah. chasing the Goonies <laughs> who are chasing, you know, Copper Pot and One-Eyed, One-Eyed Willie. It's so funny how it all comes together. So there's this whole like sequence, more booby traps, you right. know. One after the other. Yeah, they, they use the skeleton key to turn a door or something. Mm-hmm. It, a trap door opens. Data goes plunging, saved by his Pinterest apparel. So scary. Now, so the spike, the Indiana Jones spikes at the bottom of this pit. Like, I mean, yeah, he was a goner. It's dark when you really like think about it. This kid is plunging to his death. Oh, yeah. Saved in the nick of time by his gadgets. It's like. Mm-hmm. Twice or a couple times because mm-hmm. he uses uh, slick shoes mm-hmm. on this narrow walkway um, that spurts out like oil. Which, why would you ever need that? Like, why would you build that? This is the moment. This, Look, he thinks he's moment. 007. He does. He landed somewhere near Inspector Gadget, right? Exactly. He, he didn't quite make I James would Bond say, status. Yeah, I would yeah. definitely say Inspector Gadget before James Bond. So he squirts this oil. Go-Go Gadget slick shoes. <laughs> Go-Go Gadget slick shoes. I could see it. But uh, the Fratellis slip and they fall and they're doing these backflips. It's very Home Alone. It's very Chris Columbus. Slapstick. These dumb, bumbling crooks, you know, I just was, getting hurt in all kinds of ways. I, watching it as an adult, I was just more worried for Mama. I was like, you okay? <laughs> you doing okay, <laughs> You're taking Mama? some pretty hard falls. Like, I'm a little concerned about you. <laughs> and Ramsey, are you all right? Yeah. Do you have a, do you have a stunt double? Are you okay? <laughs> Which I'm sure she did, but oh, probably, yeah. I hope. No, I know. Jeez. I always, I always worry. I mean, and anytime they're in these tanks, like they're in the water so much. Yeah. Gosh, I get freaked out. Like you know this the story from Greece. No. Like the <laughs> Thunder Road with all the water, like just the puddles. Hmm. Everybody got like super sick from the water. Oh really? Yes, and it delayed filming by like a couple weeks, I think. So anytime I see that, and in Jumanji, I thought about it too because I was watching something with Kirsten Dunst recently. Yeah. Talking about like the water tanks in Jumanji and the way that the waves come at you, and I was like, that. I mean, I don't like that. That scares me. I'm afraid of drowning. <laughs> That's that scares me in general. But then yeah, I, there was a lot of water. There's just so much risk. And we know how difficult that is to do in film as well, but it's also, depending on where they film it or different, you know, I'm sure a lot of this was controlled in a tank, but even still. It was in a studio, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you never know. Yeah, well, I read that there was um, almost a million gallons of water used in this movie. I, Nine, I, 900,000. I would believe it. It's wild. So much. Always water all the time. It never stops. They're just all in, it. everything's wet. Everything's wet all the time. And the, the other thing that I noticed in addition to talking over each other all the time, everybody in this movie is touching each other all the time. <laughs> they're all, and I mean, it's because there are so many of them that they all probably need to be in frame. It's not COVID safe. <laughs> True. I know. But they all probably need to be in frame. And the only way to do that was to just be on top of each other. All bunched together Bunched the whole together, time. holding on to each other. And A lot I think of physical it contact, adds yeah. the camaraderie, but there is so much physical contact. Yeah. It, and it, it, lent to the the authenticity of it too because mm-hmm. i mean if i was up in a cave in a dark cave with my friends and i didn't know where i was or what i was doing i would probably do the same thing right but i just noticed it they were just all like 
hanging on to each other the whole time. I remember my, my friends being like that and hating every second of like being touched. <laughs> yeah. Like just the like, guys just like horsing around and be like, stop touching me. Mm-mm. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to be touched as a kid. <laughs> I really didn't. Didn't like it then. Don't like it now. <laughs> Ladies. Yeah. It was, it was outside of what my comfort zone would be. But in that circumstance, I could understand why people would do it, mm-hmm. I guess. No, yeah. Was, in the context, it very, makes sense. Yeah. It, I don't know. Every single shot. And one of the last real big uh, tasks they're, they're uh, challenged with is this bone organ Love made it. of skeletons. I know. Love super it. cool. <laughs> Brand says they've got to play the bones to get out of there. And I was like... What does that mean? That's going to mean something. <laughs> so I looked it up. I gave it a Google. Quick Google. And I found out that the ancestor of, you know, playing spoons, mm-hmm. the or, the ancestor of that is playing bones. So it's very similar. It's literally just bones of different shapes and sizes. Click clacking. It's percussion, but it's also an idiophone specifically for music nerds out there. It's all about the vibration and the contact of the bones as you're playing them and moving them around. It's more of like, momentum Mm -hmm. using like letting the bone do its thing versus forcing it to do its thing Mm -hmm. i don't understand it but i think it's cool like a um uh what's it called not a triangle but a Mm -hmm. symbol (laughs) no 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 you like swipe it and they all tinkle against each other wind chime like that yeah there's a there's an (laughs) instrument (laughs) i don't know what you're talking about it's late at night you guys oh it's too late i'm on a corporate schedule okay (laughs) sorry this is taking so long no (laughs) Like, but I just thought it was funny that it was figure. like. But know. I know what you mean. That's that's a type of instrument where you rely on the things mm-hmm. touching each other yeah, versus yeah. you touching them. Let me just grab my playing bones real quick. <laughs> hop in on this jam band. I like the idea of that. So they have to successfully play the right keys. Mm-hmm. Andy played piano as a kid, so she has to play she it. She steps up. It's like they all kind of have has their own like yeah. challenge. Yeah, their own um, strengths. Right. What would yours be? <laughs> Don't ask me that. Oh my god. <laughs> what would my <sighs> yeah, like a booby trap for you specifically. How I don't have you... any marketable skills. Oh come on. Um, here, sit very quietly and don't make any noise <laughs> for the next four and a half minutes. I I'm got your guy. this. <laughs> I can do this. Do you know what yours would be? I mean, it wouldn't be anything with water, and it wouldn't probably be anything with heights. I'm not scared of heights, but when I'm in the situation, I. I don't think I perform well. <laughs> no, I. Mm-mm. But I am pretty good in a general crisis situation. Yeah. But I'm not like the the puzzling part of it. Figuring out the puzzle is tough under pressure. So I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. I just wondered if you had like if you thought this through, like which one. No, I haven't thought at. this through. I just finished my script about <laughs> two and a half minutes before we sat down to record. So no, I haven't. I haven't thought about anything <laughs> of else. Of course. My, my one of my main strengths is the bigger the obstacle, the more calm I am. Because you can't. I, I obsess over the tedious small things, but it gets to a certain size where I laugh at how absurd it is. You do, yeah. We and both I'm able do that. to just sort of chill. We've done that, like in filmmaking. I think we both get to yeah. a point where we're like, "This is like, <laughs> there's no way that we could do anything about this. It just yeah. is what it is." It's so much bigger than me, so like, yeah. I'm not even gonna sweat this. I'm just gonna. Take it as it comes. You know, how do you mm-hmm. eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. One bite at a time. I wouldn't eat an elephant, though, for the record. For the record, I wouldn't either. <laughs> anyway, okay. Sorry, I've derailed you. Continue. I would love to know the answer. Maybe I'll have an answer for you later, but I don't I don't have one right now. <laughs> 
So when they escape, this bone organ, you know, the floor is falling out beneath them as she plays the wrong notes, but she finally plays all the right ones. The door opens and they can leave. And they now descend down the coolest water slide that's ever been portrayed in anything huh. ever. I've never wanted anything more than yeah, to go down this water slide. It looked... I mean, yeah. You never know where it's going to end, right? But the, but the actual filming of it looked very dangerous. Kind of, yeah. And historically speaking, all theme park rides, everything like that has been very, very dangerous to film. Yeah. <laughs> um, I learned that from a pop-up Brady Bunch episode. Do you remember those? No, I don't think so. Holy cow. Okay, this was my favorite thing in the world. And it really probably just spawned my entire family's love of behind-the-scenes film stuff. If you're out there and you know what that is, please tell me. Because it would air on, like, I don't even know, TV land or something. But they would have these marathons where it would be pop-up Brady. And it would be trivia about the Brady Bunch during a marathon. And it would pop up on the screen. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I totally know this. Yeah. Definitely. And so they had okay. that one where they went to... Whatever I would know if it wasn't late at night and you'd Didn't ask. Didn't they go me. to like Hawaii or something? Well, they did. They went to Hawaii, but they also went to like a theme park. Why is Kings Island coming to my head? I don't know. I don't but know. they went to a theme park and it, they popped up talking about how like dangerous it was that they filmed them because they didn't have the rigging and they didn't have the systems like GoPros, you know, weren't a thing. They didn't have right, right, the right. systems to be able to shoot this kind of stuff. And they, I think that they talked in that pop-up episode about how they did a test run and the camera came off and flew at where like the people would have been, like could have decapitated people. Oh, wow. And then they put the cast on the ride, like the next ride through or something. And so the cast had to pretend to look excited about this roller coaster when they were all actually terrified that the camera might come off. (laughs) And I think about that every time I see any kind of any theme park stuff depicted in film. All I can say is this was totally in a studio. It was very controlled, se- safe and secure and I, controlled. Oh, I hope they made all Water the choices they needed to, to control. Make. We saw a class action park. Yeah, like, no, this wasn't anything like that. Uh, no, 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 no. This know, is Steven Spielberg. He was making sure this was safe. Yeah. Like he made sure. It just looked so like haphazard. Like the way that they were moving in it, it looked very haphazard. Like they could go, and I mean that's part of the magic. Of I it. mean, like, but it, it also wasn't just... ascended a hundred feet in the air. Like you have to think about how true, true. of course, how they spliced this together sure. this could have been pieces of, of moments it just looked so scary to me <laughs> it wasn't what you're thinking it's it no, was no, in a no. controlled it, environment obviously it probably wasn't as enclosed as it looked it was probably very sure and the, you, there were shots of the cameraman going down with the camera the camera getting wet you know yeah so like you know it was safe enough to do with the camera mm-hmm. so but it looked fun as hell I can tell you that much. It did. It did. I want to I go down. It's so bad. <laughs> so they come down to the end of the slide and they shoot out into this massive cavern with this lake. And oh my gosh, it's just so beautiful. But it's still beneath a cave. Like you're still in this very cave-like atmosphere. Also, think about how there'd be no light in there. It'd be pitch black. Yeah. I thought about that a lot. Mm-hmm. I was like, the lighting here is just way too good. So now they're all coming up out of the water and behind them, well, I'll say this first. The kids were entirely banned from the stage, from this setting, because this is where the pirate ship is. Mm -hmm. And even when they were brought to set to film the scene, they brought them in with their backs to the pirate ship. (laughs) Nice. And they were blindfolded so that when they, you know, got ready to shoot and they all turned around for the first time to look at it. The reactions would be genuine. That was a, a Dick Donner move. 
one of the nice. many things he did to keep the authenticity of the children. I, I appreciate that. So they turn around and there is this massive pirate ship, which has ties to the Seahawk movie that you saw on the TV that Sloth is watching. It was designed after the Albatross pirate ship from that movie. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a real pirate ship. They built the whole thing on this stage. Um, it was really unfortunate because after the movie was over, they offered it to anybody who would have taken it and nobody wanted it. So they dismantled it mm. and just repurposed all the pieces. It was really unfortunate. but That is sad. Yeah. Nobody had like a warehouse or a restaurant or something. Yeah. <laughs> they could have. I bet you they could have sold it to somebody and made some money back of it, but mm. whatever. In this water, before they go climb up this pirate ship and explore the whole thing, there was supposed to be another scene here, which was a deleted scene. So they actually filmed it. This is famously known as the octopus scene. There was an octopus in the water <laughs> and it attacked them. I feel like I've heard this. <laughs> it's a bit much. A bit much. I've seen the footage. It doesn't look very good. I'm glad it was taken out. <laughs> good move, cutting it. I've heard that, you know, there are certain broadcasts, you know, TV showings of this movie, whatever, that include the octopus scene. I can't imagine that happened, but maybe it did. I have no idea. I'd be surprised as well. Yeah. And they reference it later when they're explaining everything to their parents and they're like, oh, this happened and this happened. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, it was this big, scary octopus. And like Data says it or something. Yeah. Data says it. And I, I chalked it up to like them making the adventure bigger than it was. But that's just me. Yeah, I was okay with it, hearing it. I'm okay with it existing. The whole thing's pretty ridiculous. I loved it <laughs> in like a like laugh at it kind of way, but I'm glad it, I'm glad it didn't make the final cut. So. Exploring this pirate ship is another one of the like you know most memorable magical scenes for me. Um, they're they're up there looking around. It's covered in jewels and gems, and then Mikey kind of sneaks off and finds the inner like captain's quarters where One Eyed Willie is sitting at his table with these dead pirates. All but they're all dead. I mean, yes. they're all skeletons. But <laughs> the other ones are obviously murdered in some way with like you know knives stuck in their eye holes and like. Mm -hmm. Clearly, he killed them all, and then he sat there looking at all of his treasure, which is where he perished in time. So Mikey has this, this moment where he's talking to One-Eyed Willie, and he's like, man, I beat you. Mm -hmm. I did this. And he's like tearing up, and he's crying, and it's such a beautiful oh, yeah. acting moment. Because it, it means so much to him that he was able to do something, because he was so desperate to do something. He made it happen. He made it happen. And it was real, because they didn't believe him at first. And then it was real. So he's and feeling... He, yeah, he was the only one that believed it. Yeah, he had this breakthrough. It was like everything was affirmed. Everything in him that he believed was real. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's got to be an incredible feeling. I can't feeling. imagine. <laughs> Those, the tiny moments I've had that even kind of came close to that reality were powerful. Just tiny like moments. Being validated at The all, validation. The ultimate validation. Yeah. So for him to have this entire thing just immediately worth it, for him to tear up in that moment. Mm -hmm. The overwhelming. The way he had to be directed. Mm -hmm. The way that everybody understood the emotion in that moment. That's strong. It makes me wonder at what point they were in filming when they shot that scene. I wondered that when I saw it. I think about stuff like that. Well, it took a long time to build. And I heard they shot most everything in sequence. Okay. So it would have been toward the end of production. Because it makes sense that he would be kind of feeling these emotions of the end of production, these friends that he's made, this experience mm -hmm. that he's having. Oh, yeah. I that think makes he sense. could get all of that into one moment and it would help that performance. I believe, Yeah, I think that's probably right. But he does have one of my favorite 
uh, lines from this movie too is when he takes a sword out of a dead guy, a skeleton, and Andy says, you know, don't touch that. And he says, why not? He's dead. He doesn't care. <laughs> that line passes through my mind once a week. <laughs> why not? He's dead. He doesn't care. Why not? He's dead. He doesn't care. <laughs> once a week. I'm not even exaggerating. Once a week. I like it when that stuff happens though. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's there for a reason. I don't know what the reason is. Hopefully you can tell us one day. It's just damn good writing. It's what it is. Thank you, Chris Columbus. So, you know, they basically decide we're going to take all this treasure, these gems, these jewels, everything, except for what's directly in front of One-Eyed Willie. Mikey says, don't touch that. That's Willie's. That's Willie's. And he kept them from being cursed. It's proven later, once the Fratelli show up, you know, they break through, they stop them. They're taking all their gems and jewels from them. They're taking everything. Mm -hmm. And when their greed causes them to take what's directly uh, in front of Willie, it, it's another booby trap, the one final booby trap. Mm-hmm. And that begins the big, you know, cave-in. All the rocks are falling, which this is just unrealistic, this massive mm-hmm. secondary cave-in. But, um, that Willie could have engineered. That somehow. Willie could have, yeah, engineered this is kind of insane. But it happens nonetheless. But that's the magic of it. That's the magic of it. That's the suspension of disbelief. That's mm-hmm. the, you kind of believe that this, this pirate, you know, had this power. Right. This legend. Mm-hmm. He's larger than life. This is a trope that happens. The, just this whole idea of the um, the skeletons and the buried treasure and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Like, I, I think of a couple of movies, <laughs> one of which being Spy Kids 2, oh, wow. where they do the same thing. And they find skeletons with the treasure and Junie takes the the uh, pendant that they're fighting over. And this causes the skeleton to like wake up and come after them. Oh, wow. Like there's always this cursed magic idea <laughs> yeah. behind it. But I do love that this one was set in reality. And it, it wasn't it wasn't like a real fantasy curse where, you know, say the skeletons came to life, which if this movie was made now, they would. the skeletons probably would have come to life. You're which right. I agree. I prefer that they don't. I like that but. they don't. But if you think about it, the fact that it causes this cave-in that triggers the demise of the Fratellis, it is kind of like they were cursed. So Mikey, if he if they had taken the treasure from this tray that triggered everything, it could have changed the end of the movie entirely. Mm-hmm. Because he chose not to be greedy. Don't take what belongs to Willie. Technically, it's all Willie's Mikey, but... Uh... I, thought, I had that thought too, but look, the symbolism is beautiful. Don't ruin this for me. <laughs> My bad. Don't ruin this for me, Kaylin. I'm trying to have a really cool podcast episode. <laughs> God, I'm making cool points. Do you know what was very wild to me? Which part? <laughs> well, at <laughs> one hour, 24 minutes, 29 to 30 seconds. Timestamp, all right. You can see a crew member on the ship. No way. Who's waving and like directing them climbing up the side of the ship. I missed that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. He's in the back corner, like on the left side. It happens. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? I'm surprised there's not a thousand crew members in there. <laughs> I'm surprised there's not a thousand. I mean, like, I think about that too. And I'm like, well, they probably left certain things in. You watch Friends. The editing is terrible. Oh, it is. So bad. But they never counted on streaming services allowing you to watch the episode over and over and over and over. Mm-hmm. It's true. It was going to show one time one with airing, some reruns. And you would never notice those things. But now you can watch it. 20 times if you want to and see every tiny detail. Everything has mistakes, y'all. Everything. It's not possible to make a perfect anything. No, no, nothing's perfect. Back then it wasn't. Today it isn't. It doesn't matter the technology you use. There will always be that human element to it. And humans screw up. <laughs> <laughs> every time. Yeah, movies are just the evolution of stage plays. 
You go watch a stage play. You have to suspend your disbelief. You have to allow for the mechanisms of the stage, the direction, Mm -hmm. for getting lines, whatever, misstepping moment. You have to allow for human error. Mm -hmm. Movies just have this way of- They can get around most of them, but not all of them even still. Not everything. So when the Fratelli show up, they're taking over everything, and they make the Goonies walk the plank, which I always wondered why that was such a big deal, because they were literally just in the water like five minutes ago. Mm -hmm. But then when you realize, oh, there's an octopus in the water, that adds Mm -hmm. a layer of, you know. Danger. Danger. So whatever. But she makes them walk the plank. It's like, oh, no, the Fratelli's got us. What are we going to (laughs) do? And of course, out of nowhere, Sloth shows up with Chunk. They didn't come down the slide. They didn't come down any of the same ways. Mm-mm. Who knows what happened? Neither did the Fratellis. Right. We don't know. Nobody came down the same way as the Goonies. So who knows what stairs they found um, in the back alley behind the set. <laughs> but what happens next? I'm going to leave to you to go watch and find out mm. and not ruin the entire ending of this movie. I do feel like there are a lot of people that haven't seen it. There probably are a lot so of people. So I do think it's a good idea to just kind of let it be. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of fun stuff there. And the ending is really, really great. And it may not happen the way you think it does. Or it may. (laughs) It probably happens the way you remember it, if you watched the film. If you watched it, it definitely... Well, unless you have a, uh, you know, Mandela effect. Mm. But, which I have a Mandela effect for this movie. Do you? Mm Mm-hmm. My memory of the Cyndi Lauper song is, um, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. And I grew up thinking how weird that is that there was a... You know, the song was Girls Just Want to Have Fun, and it was a movie about a bunch of boys. Okay. So I always thought it was weird. And then I think someone corrected me one time because I made the comment and they Do were you like, know, though, that it I wasn't. have, I mean, I know, I, I rented it to watch on, what did I watch it on? Like Amazon Prime or something. And I almost have that thought too, when, as you're saying it, I'm like that, maybe that was. I don't know. In my notes, all I wrote down was Cindy Lauper. I didn't write down a name of a song. So. <laughs> I don't know. It was weird. Um, but I grew up firmly believing. That's funny. And then I realized that it's, nope, the Goonies are good enough. And aren't they though? They are. They never say die. Yeah. So we'll leave the ending for those who haven't seen it, or if you haven't seen it in a long time and you don't, don't remember what happens, no spoilers here if we can help it. But I have, I do have some fun extra stuff. Tell me the extra stuff. Toward the end of filming, all the first unit stuff was done. So Dick went home to his house in Maui. He was very done by the end of these like five months of filming, right? It's a long time. It is. So Spielberg, as a joke, he basically paid for everyone to take a vacation as soon as they were done filming. And they all went down to Maui. <laughs> and they got Dick out of his house and when while he was out in town doing shopping or whatever, they all set up camp. They all brought their luggage. They unloaded all their luggage in his home. <laughs> Basically, they just crashed at his house. And he thought he was escaping all the Goonies, and they showed up at his house in Maui. That's um, so good. And Spielberg paid for the whole thing, so he just thought it was hilarious. So That's amazing. You got to love it. Um, I wish that they had – I mean, in today's day and age, they would have filmed his reaction and everything. No, it, it, you can see it. There's video. Really? You can watch the whole thing. Yeah. Amazing. I've seen I've seen the video, yeah. Wow. And I was like, maybe I won't include that. Maybe I will. But they 
a lot of them discussed it at, at different points. And so it means a lot to them. I feel like I, yeah, it, to that have had that true. moment. Anytime you got to take a trip with your friends, I don't know, mm-hmm. like in school when we had like yeah. <laughs> robotics regionals and stuff. Robotics nerds. Yeah. yeah we no, would go together. For and sure. Anytime you have that kind of experience, obviously a film set is kind of that every day if you're a kid, I feel like, but it's also work. Mm-hmm. So to then take a trip, I can see it living in infamy. So some fun bits of media. That the Goonies inspired. Before the movie was released, there was a novel, a novelization written by James Kahn. It released like a month before the film. And there's a bunch of other storybooks out there, like activity books, coloring books, Goonies inspired. There are a bunch of video games inspired by the Goonies on a bunch of different platforms. Nothing I've ever seen or played before. They all sound really terrible. They usually were. Yeah. There's one Lego Dimensions uh, level, which might be kind of cool. I don't really know. And apparently it was reported that the Goonies would like be adapted into a comic miniseries as well as an animated cartoon on Cartoon Network and mm. also a musical, but none of these things ever happened. Oh, I wish. The one sequel I heard Dick Donner talk about was that it would be a musical. I would really enjoy that. I know there are a lot of people that might not, but I man, wouldn't personally. I love a good musical. I do too. A good one. I don't think a Goonies musical would be good, but I've heard these other musicals are great, like like Shrek yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. I've heard those are really good. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm wrong, but I would want an actual like sequel, sequel, not like might be getting it. I might be getting it during the kissing scene when Andy mistakenly kisses uh, Mikey, thinking it's uh, Brand. It's called the Angel of Death scene. Hmm. Apparently. There was this very witchy looking, scary angel of death type thing that's supposed to come out of a tunnel and scare them to death as they're kissing. Oh my god! Supposed to crash into a wall and fall apart. That's basically it. It's a scare tactic. Oh. So that was cut. Yeah. Good call. There were supposed to be gravestones outside the lighthouse lounge. There most likely wouldn't be a graveyard outside of a restaurant. And if there were, it wouldn't bode well for business. Even outside of a lighthouse, there wouldn't be, you know, gravestones. Mm-mm. There was also another deleted scene that was apparently filmed, but the footage was lost. There was a scene where when they're shaking all the pipes and uh, destroying the country club, they're supposed to be some gorillas that escape from the zoo. And these gorillas are supposed to steal Troy's new car and drive off down the road in Troy's car. And apparently this is one of the scenes that Spielberg himself directed and shot. Okay. (laughs) A lot of people said it was lost and never found. And um, I saw a clip on YouTube that's supposed to be the lost footage of the gorillas, but Troy's car is the wrong color, hmm. I think. So I don't think it's authentic. I don't really know what like happened. Like somebody made it after they It heard. looks like somebody made it and tried to fake it. Yeah. I don't know what happened to the footage, hmm. but it was shot. I mean, better off. Probably. It's better off without the octopus and the gorillas. Like, there is absurdity in this movie that's, you know... But that's that takes it to another level. Yeah. I, I want to say it was probably one of Spielberg's worst ideas. And as soon as he realized it, he buried it. Makes sense. And that's how you know he's one of the greats. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't mean that every idea you have is perfect or everything that you do is perfect. It means that you kind of know the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. You might really appreciate this other piece of trivia. Mm. The writer of the Spoiled Blue Milk blog pieced together all the details that suggests that the Goonies Adventure Day and the uh, adventure of Marty McFly <gasps> in Back to the Future <gasps> happen on the exact same day in history. Holy cow. Yes. 
So I will put the link in our show notes. Yeah, I want to. So see you that. can go read that. Would they have done that on purpose? Both produced by Spielberg. I know. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> I didn't write it down, but I think it's October twenty sixth, nineteen eighty five. Yeah. Something like that. 24th. Why do I think 24th? I could be totally wrong. I really want to get that right. But 24th is the date of the newspaper that shows the Fratellis uh, have escaped from jail. <gasps> so that's Thursday, October 24th, 1985, making Saturday the 26th. Wow. Back to the Future is so Saturday the 26th. Yeah. Okay. Pretty cool. Wow. Pretty cool. I love that. So maybe not. It's a. It's It's not as much of a reach. As you might think it is if you go look at the details. But. I mean, I don't think it's a reach just based on the fact that they're both Spielberg. Right. Exactly. That makes it believable. Much more plausible, yeah. And there's a ton of other trivia, lore, history, background, and even a bunch of goofs in the name of the Goonie spirit. I'm going to leave the rest of that quote-unquote rich stuff to be found by you guys as you have your own adventures. So have fun. Ooh. Yeah, but that is The Goonies. Man. That's everything I got on The Goonies. Thanks for telling us all about The Goonies. Thanks for giving me the space. Gosh darn it. What a time. We are over four hours into this recording. <laughs> Man. Sure are. I can't believe it took this long. I mean, I knew I, it would I be can. long. But. I knew it would be long. It is one of those that just lives in so much infamy. And anytime that we've talked about this podcast, people have associated it. So I'm I know happy I that we got to give it a home here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've you've lived it for so long wanting to, oh, yeah. to do this. Oh, yeah. I'm happy that we've done it. Me too. But yeah, I am just totally burnt out. That's all I got. I'm, I'm sleepy. Any any questions? <laughs> any comments? Um, any derogatory remarks? Hmm. No, I had I had questions, but you answered them as we as we went. Cool. Yeah. My only other question is wondering how much of this I'm gonna dream about tonight. <laughs> we've been in Goonies <laughs> oh, land. Oh, I know. I've been having very um prophetic dreams. Prophetic, like yeah, like I've I've dreamt things that happened the next day. Ooh, lately, creepy. Like I haven't heard from this one guy I know. He calls me sometimes to do event bartending, Mm -hmm. and um, I had a dream that he messaged me about a about a gig coming up, and then the next day (gasps) he texted me and asked me if I was free on certain dates throughout this month to bartend Mardi Gras. Wow. Yeah, like that same day. I. I love and I hate when that happens because I'm like, what am I tapping into? I really yeah. don't. <laughs> am I on the right track? Universe, you probably shouldn't trust me with this. <laughs> yeah, there was one other one too within the same week that I don't remember the detail of, but it happened again another day. Well, I haven't been dreaming things that have been happening, but uh, my ghost is active again. Oh, yeah. I told you. Yeah. I told you this. Tell us about uh, it. A c- couple days ago. my So in my bathroom, it's like connected. Like, well, okay. <laughs> Long story short, I've been showering in my guest bathroom for the past week because my shower has an issue with some kind of valve and I'm having that fixed. There's always an issue with a and valve. Or there's always something. Something. Piping's all God, screwed up. ownership. I don't even like it, but I do it. But- all that to say, I've been showering in the guest bathroom, and the guest bathroom is off of the guest bedroom, one of my guest bedrooms, that has a door that goes between the bathroom and the bedroom without going into the hallway. So it's like just in that door for, doorway. Mm-hmm. But I don't use that door typically. Maybe once every couple of weeks, I'll use it to go in and like refill the cat's water bowl or something that's close by. Yeah. The other day, I noticed that that door... I tried to go through it. I tried to refill the cat's water and I tried to open that door from the bedroom side and it wouldn't open. Hmm. And I checked on the other side and it was locked. Like 
locked. Like you physically have to manipulate this lock to lock this door. Yeah. I have never locked this door in the entire time I've owned this house. I've never locked that door. Yeah. Nobody, I've asked anybody that's been here, nobody has locked that door. Nope. So. That's wild. That's trippy. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> it's quite scary. <laughs> Who knows what happens in our houses? We try to coexist. Weirdly kind of welcome it. But that's why we don't do Ouija boards because <laughs> if it's already doing this. <laughs> yeah, we got enough going on. I don't want to know what else is you know, there to uh, find out, to explore. <laughs> we hope that you have enjoyed this, but we are excited to bring you something new and different yes. next episode. We're going to talk about everything but the Goonies until we do the Goonies are good enough. Um, oh, music video. <laughs> I totally forgot. Yeah. WTF episode. Yeah. That'll be fun, though. But until that day. Until that day. Get in touch with us. We want to hear from you. Get in touch. Touch us. Show us your love language of, uh, you know, physical touch. <laughs> Except don't. Lay the hands. <laughs> no. Please don't. Please, God. Somebody. Somebody quit the recording. Get the hook. Somebody pull the plug. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to That's Pretty Dark. Written and produced by Christian Baxter Mott and Kaylin Andrews. Our music is composed by Jonathan Simmons, and our art is provided by Paige Garland at Power Girl Illustration. Join the collective nostalgia and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at That's Pretty Dark Podcast. Share your experiences and let us know what shows, films, or villains still haunt you from childhood at That's Pretty Dark Podcast at gmail.com. Remember, you're never really alone. So until next time, sweet dreams, everyone.